for the Rural News with Sally Murphy in Ōtautahi. Kia ora Sally and produce company Seeker is focusing on exporting more avos to Asia this season. Tell us why that is. Kia ora Mani. Well, normally Australia is our biggest export market for avocados, but last season it had an oversupply of the fruit, so brought less from New Zealand. Now that pushed down prices for growers here. Seeker produces between 750,000 and a million trays of avocados annually. Company Chief Executive Michael Frank says the key focus for this season is growing exports into Asia to move away from the reliance on Australia. We've already had air freight go up to Thailand. We've got China starting this week. Uh, And so, yeah, very much so. We also will export to South Korea uh, and to Japan. At the moment in China, there is still quite a bit of um, Peruvian and South American avocados there. So the price is a little bit soft, uh, but we've got to start the program. So we're starting now. He says last year was tough and this year yields are expected to be 20% lower, but he's remaining positive. We're looking into the current year with a bit more sort of hope and optimism. Uh, Australia volumes look down, although the early market's a little bit um, soft, but we think the market will improve later uh, um, because we know that Western Australia is carrying a smaller crop. Uh, And so, you know, we have some optimism as as this year goes on um, that that the returns to growers will be better. Michael Frank says Seeker has a strong relationship with halls in China, which is helping distribute fruit throughout Asia. The timber industry says there's been a strong swing towards manufactured wood boards within the construction industry. Red Stag Group, which runs the country's largest sawmill, says the uptake's being driven by moves to build sustainably. CEO Marty Vieri says the property sector is starting to recognise the damage caused by high-emission building materials like steel and concrete, and high prices haven't helped their case. More recently, you know, the, the cost of steel has gone up by about 58% apparently, um, whereas timber hasn't gone up by that much. So it's becoming, you know, much more cost economical to, to do it in timber now. Um, but, the, you know, the big long-term driver is, is, is climate change and the government's going to be bringing in um, this, this, this regulation called Building for Climate Change, which is going to require um, companies to measure the, uh, the embodied carbon and the building, building materials that are used in the project and they're going to have to come under caps. Increasing those caps are going to be decreased over the, you know, over the decade. Marty Berry says another factor driving the mass timber uptake is the research on biophilic design. Biophilic means nature-connected design. So when people are you know, working or living or you know, uh, in aged care or hospitals where they can see nature, it lowers people's stress levels. And there's a lot of data about this now. It lowers their stress levels, lowers their anxiety helps them recover better, increases staff productivity. So, you know, you're, this is a big trend that's emerging around the world. And, and obviously, if you're building in natural materials and people can see the structure around them made from those natural, natural materials such as wood, then you start getting those advantages. That's Marty Vary from Red Stag Group. A new biosecurity research centre at Lincoln University hopes to consolidate global efforts to tackle invasive weeds, animals and pathogens. The Centre for One Biosecurity Research, Analysis and Synthesis, or COBRA, is the first of its kind, bringing together more than 100 experts from around the world. Professor Philip Hume, who's leading the team, says the aim is to predict and prevent future risks. He gives the example of kauri dieback. Now, if we just focus that from a plant pathologist perspective, we would look at the plant pathogen, we'd look at the genome of the plant pathogen, and we try and understand how it impacts the plant. 
But if we take a step back and we look at the forests of Northland, we see that they've been impacted by a lot of different things. So there's wild pigs, and wild pigs disturb the soil. There are deer that eat the vegetation. There are weeds that have come into the system. All these components can add to greater pressure for the pathogen to impact the curry, the curry itself. And yet, to study that, you need to bring together the plant pathologists, the weed scientists, the animal uh, biologists, the landscape scientists, to really understand how that pathogen is impacting curry. If we don't do that kind of work, we just sit in our own silos, we'll miss the bigger picture of how biosecurity impacts our Tonga species. Professor Hume says the group had its first meeting to identify research areas with issues like climate change, pest detection at the border and how to prioritise species at the forefront of the discussion. A New Zealand wool product will be making its way into space later this month as part of NASA's mission to the moon. The Orion spacecraft will be launching an unmanned test run on August 30th ahead of its scheduled manned missions. On board for the ride will be Kiwi company Lanico's Filters, made from New Zealand's sheep wool. Lanico founder Nick Davenport says it's the same technology that's in its PPE face masks and home air purifiers. It's a very small, tiny piece of wool technology which protects astronauts in the the event of a fire on board the capsule. So it's part of their critical life support system. And this technology increases uh, the the window of opportunity for uh, survival significantly. Um, So it's a a really, really important part of the program. But a tiny piece of wool is the key Nick Davenport says the company was sought out by NASA in 2017. It sent them some samples a year later, and 18 months after that, Lanico Filter was chosen over international competitors. And just lastly, the Southern Indoor Charity Dog Trials last week raised more than $12,000 for Hospice Southland. Chairman of the trials, Mike Joyce, says it's the seventh time the event is run and the fifth time Hospice Southland has been the charity of choice. Everyone in some age or some stage of their life is involved some way with cancer and that's, um, we feel that's pretty important one to get on board with and I don't think there's enough funding coming from government to satisfy the needs. Hospice Southland has to raise at least $3 million themselves apart from what they get from government funding so it's very important that we get in behind and support them. And Mike Joyce says for the first time, this year's event included a bark-off competition for hunterways, a breed that doesn't normally take part in the trials. And that's the rural news for today. Koe rā te o te tai whenua.